Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to Beyond the Ropes, a boxing podcast brought to you by Easley Boxing Repeat. The place for the Northwest and boxing news, news, reviews, and interviews. Here's your host, Sean Basso. What's up, guys? Episode 63 of Beyond the Ropes Boxing Podcast, and this is the weekend reaction show to all the action that happened over the weekend. So before we begin this episode, just want to tell you guys where you can find us. It's at BTR Boxing Pod on Twitter, Beyond the Ropes Boxing Podcast on Facebook, and you can find this podcast on Podbean, Stitcher, iTunes, Player FM, Spotify. We're everywhere. Go on there, leave us a review, rate us five stars preferably and just get sharing around social media we really really appreciate it as always so let's get into it i'm joined by jordan Mield on the line are you doing jordy yeah all good all good bit of a disappointing um well apart from lomachenko but a bit of disappointing weekend of boxing but you know let's pick the bones really it was a shite weekend for boxing we've just been talking <laughs> before we started recording the episode i just said to you literally just said it's been an absolute shite weekend for boxing this weekend like you say apart from you know lomachenko's brilliance again like we expected it's just been a shite weekend and i think what i want to do with this episode together is just get the shit out of the way first let's just talk about that piss poor card that yeah. we was wasn't looking forward to the matchroom card and start at the top of that bill first and foremost with kelbrook versus michael uh, zarafa i tell you what man i've said this to you before we started recording that my opinion of kelbrook now is 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 probably one fight away from being a, a shot fighter and I know that's a bold statement to, to make at the start of this episode but I've just not seen anything from him in the past couple of fights where I've actually thought to myself he's still got it he can still give Khan a hard time I'm now starting to think Khan might give him a hard time if the, if that match ever happens I just don't even I'll be honest like I put it on Twitter uh, I've got no interest in that fight no more anyway I think it's 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 far too late. They they prob they both haven't looked great in the last two fights, you know, Vargas and 
and this weekend with Brooke. If anything, I probably I wouldn't mind seeing Zarafa versus Vargas to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's like it, I don't know. It's just like Kel Brook. He he just didn't look great, did he? No. I mean, he started quite well, and then and then from there it just got progressively worse. And you know, I've seen some people sort of saying, "Oh, that's good. He's getting the rounds in." But we did the betting preview we did was based on what he does for people at that level, and a prime Kel Brook would wipe the floor with Zarafa in six rounds, just the way he did with you know other people who were at Zarafa's level. I'm not trying to be disrespectful to him, but he's just—he's not—he's not on the same level as a prime Kelbrook. No, probably what we've seen there was a Kelbrook who's just a bit past his best. Oh, you know, I, I again, that's why it's just—it's just where he goes from here, isn't it? It is. This is it. I mean, he's, he's, for me, he's one fight away from being classed uh, as a shot fighter. This is a guy who two or three years ago was on top of his games, on top of the world. 2015, he beat Sean Port. I mean, look at what Sean Port has gone on He's to do in his career. Now. I know, I know exactly. And yeah. it just seems like he's regressed as a fighter. Do you know, I don't think he's not the same guy. He's not the same fighter he was. And a lot of that will... I've seen an interesting... Uh, sorry to cut you off there, sorry. but I've seen an interesting interview with uh, Dominic Ingle on, on, online. And he saw, they were talking about, you know, the fact that he's gone with John Fuchs now and whether he'll rekindle with Dominic Ingle and stuff like that. And Dominic Ingle said, you know, he's now got a stable of decent fighters and, like, and Kel sort of couldn't, wouldn't accept that he wasn't the main man no more. So that makes me sort of think whether, you know, someone like Dominic Ingle has just seen this, this these little small margins where yeah. Kel's not quite hitting the levels he once was and whether he's actually been the first to see it, you know what I mean? Yeah. And that got- we're just seeing it play out in front of our eyes now. Yeah, it's kind of like uh, you get the impression from the interview that he kind of knows that maybe he is on the slide a little bit, and maybe, yeah, yeah. and maybe that's why the kind of not the relationship's broken down a little bit, and that's what's gone on in the background. I mean, it's all speculation. We could be barking at the wrong tree with what we're saying, but when you watch the interview, you kind of get clear indications that there's been a relationship breakdown between them, and it has something to do along the lines with the fact that Kel Brook's performances uh, as of late haven't been to the, the standard they were a couple of years ago and and obviously the, the guys that are with him every day, they get the, you know, the trainers, the coaches that are there with him, day in, day out training him for 8 to 12 week camps they know, they know when the fighter's on the decline and it's their responsibility to, to tell that fighter you ain't looking the same as you did a couple of years ago and going back to Freddie Roach, he always said in interviews that he said, if Manny Pacquiao, if I feel Manny Pacquiao hasn't got it anymore, I'll tell him to retire and I won't train him. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, as you say, it's not, we don't know, we're usually the last people to see, you know, fighters on the slide. We all act shocked when, you know, someone puts a performance in that's way below par. But these trainers, as you say, they're seeing it every day and, and they're seeing this little, this little slow progress of, of decline, shall we say. But um, Brooks, you know, he's still a name. He can still have a big fight. He, he probably the best he could probably hope for is that maybe the Sean Porter fight the rematch because Sean Porter might want to write that wrong in his eyes. So you know he he could hope for that. But as I said, I'm not. I've got no interest in the Khan fights. You know, I haven't for probably a year or so. I think it was a great fight once upon a time, but I just don't see what it does anymore. There's no title. There's not going to be you know any. There'll be a buzz about it obviously because it'll be hyped up to death. But I think if you look at it as a pure boxing match, I just don't think it holds the same the same uh, respect that it once did. I know what you're saying, but the fact that they both seemingly look like they're on the decline a little bit 
might, might make it more of an interesting fight because it might be a case of who's going to go first and the fight itself with Zarafa on Saturday uh, a guy that you'd normally expect him to blow away within a couple of rounds which is why the, you know, the betting previews across all the, the betting companies were all like Kel Brook to, to blow him out within three rounds you know like six seven to one and I kept on seeing it on the night and I was like they're all a lot of people obviously expected him to just blow this guy away because he's he's unknown basically to the wider audience but in that ninth round he, he rocked Brook and we've seen shades of this happen before when he went life and death with Carfison Jones a few years back and he's never really been one for dealing with pressure fighters at times and it's shown in fights like I said with Carson Jones obviously the Golovkin was a pressure fighter but he was a next level pressure fighter and you know bigger a lot bigger and that was you know blatant to see but even with guys like Carson Jones he struggled and he struggled with Zarafa because he was a pressure fighter and if your your attributes your your speed your timing your reflexes are, are all starting to slide a little bit you know, that to me, this indicates that maybe he is a little bit on the slide, but it's hard because he could come out in this next fight, could have a you know a really really big fight, and absolutely box the socks off his opponent, and we'll all be sat here going, yeah, he's still got something left in the tank. That's the game, though, isn't it? But I think that that decision to jump up and fight Golovkin at the time was builders like daring to be great, as as you hear that phrase all the time now. <laughs> but I think. It now looks like a stupid decision. Yeah. It now looks like it's took a hell of a lot out of him. And, you know, let's not get into Kelbrook bashing for like the whole, I know, yeah. the whole episode. <laughs> but it's just it's just one of them. You've got to you've got to say it how say it how it is and that's not the same Kelbrook as a few years ago and that's just a fact. I think it's I think honestly, it's ruined it's ruined his career. The the Golovkin fight to take the payday to fight Golovkin as for me, is he's gonna ruin his career. He's gonna if you go look back on his legacy uh, there isn't really much of a legacy, I think, to, to sort of honestly say you can look back on. He's going to be known for bro- broken eye sockets um, and and losing to, to some of the best out there, but he's not going to be known in the same way I think that he should be known because he's always had the talent. It's just a shame that he doesn't Yeah, it's seem an injustice to-, to his talent, really, yeah. because he, you know, he could have gone a... He could have... Well, he might still do, but he could have gone a lot further than he's at at the moment. And you sit here saying that when he's, he's been a world champion, but for someone of his ability, they should have been, you know, really writing, writing history in the sport, really. Well, I don't want to keep bashing him too much more. You talked about not wanting to see the Khan fight and not really interested in the Khan fight. It's I've always said it's about two or three years too late for me anyway, and I don't even think yeah. I, I don't even think I'd get sucked into the hype of it to be honest with you. No matter how much Eddie Hearn tries to sell it to you, I honestly don't think I'd be able to get sucked into the hype for this one because I just feel like it's just going to be a case of whoever loses really has got to call it a day because uh, it's just going to start getting hard to watch yeah don't as I said I've got no interest in myself and probably Khan's probably going to take that fight with Terence Crawford now over in the States for 5 million or whatever it is don't blame him at all I probably wouldn't yeah I wouldn't because you know at the end of the day look at Khan's CV compared to Brooks there's only one Brooks needs Khan Khan doesn't need Brooks in my opinion definitely definitely 100% um, I can't disagree with that at all because that is where it's at for me at the moment you just said it there Khan's resume look at the names he's got on there some of them were past the best when he fought them but the names the Barreras you know the Zeb Judders all these guys in the past that he's fought I mean Canelo yeah he lost to Canelo but look at the look at the depth of his resume and you start to look 
look at that and compare it to, to, to obviously Brooks, and uh, it doesn't really stand up as much for me. But anyway, I no, don't, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to keep on about Kyle Brooks. I feel like I'm just giving the guy a hard time, which I am a little bit because yeah. I am just, just kind of frustrated of where, where he seems to be going. But it is what it is. We're just going to have to wait and see. Now he didn't look great in that fight. I think he struggled. Uh, I think he got rocked in the, the ninth round. It's quite evident to see, and I think genuinely he looks like he might be on the slide. So we'll just have to wait and see where they take him and whether they push him into one more big fight after this. So we'll see. Yeah, it is what it is. But as you're saying, let's just see where it goes. But the card didn't really get much better, if I'm totally honest. <laughs> I was just going to move on then and say, hey, what did you think yeah. of the card in general? Um, it was just it, it was just a bit of a tough watch, really. I mean, I, I, I put myself through the Kid Galahad fight, but you know, it's another tune-up for Kid Galahad, and I don't really know how many he's going to eventually have. I think he's... Does that take him to 26 and all? Yeah, it does. We, we touched on it last week on TV, so yeah, he's just waiting for the winner of Frampton-Warrington, but I don't think he got points victory, so that was very forgetful. The John O'Carroll fight, I thought, was you know it was a tough air, but like, it was another one of them. It was always going to go that way. I, I wrote a little preview for our site, and I said there was no way that fight was going to be anything other than than a distance fight, you know what I mean? You did say that, yeah. I remember you saying that on the episode last week that it was going to be a distance fight, and based on the records, you know, it was quite it was quite evident that you know they got very minimal amount of knockouts between him for the, for the combined amount of fights. But to to see the draw was was quite surprising. But I got to give credit to to, to Freno because I thought Freno, you know, he boxed well enough to to, to, to get himself that draw. I mean, do, do you I think, think he, he was debatable? All his experience didn't he? And he, he didn't do anything spectacular, but he didn't need to. I don't think, you know, maybe Jono wasn't quite at his, you know, at his best, but when you're stepping up against these guys who've held European titles or who've fought at that level, sometimes it, it, it sort of comes around as a shock to some fighters, but I think it doesn't really, I don't think it damages Jono a great deal. I think he'll still eventually get, still eventually get a shot. He's a big character. He's, he's very sellable. You know, people, he's, people are going to, you know, want to see him. He's quite entertaining. So in, in terms of as a personality, so, I think he'll still get a shot, but this might just be a small little speed bump in the road, really. Well, they were talking about him fighting Tevin Farmer. Obviously, James, he, he beat T- James Tennyson earlier on this year, Farmer, and he even called him out yeah. on social media, Farmer, saying he'd fight John O'Carroll. So, you know, maybe if he fights to, to, to that level of opposition, he, he might step it up even more. He might not have been... I don't know. It's hard to say. Would, was he really yeah. motivated for this? It doesn't really tell you the massive deal about Carroll. It's just one of them fights. Maybe the maybe you know he's just one of them. Fremont's just one of them fighters he's done gel with. But I definitely don't think it's a massive detractor to John O'Carroll's career. It's just one of that. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they just forgot about it to be honest, and then just matched them with someone else and just kept moving towards that Tevin Farm fight because I think he. I know Tevin Farm is going to fight uh, Fonseca now, but I think you might see them eventually. But I see Martin Ward. Yeah, Martin J Ward having a little go at Tevin Farmer on Twitter yeah. as well. So maybe he's trying to throw his name into the app. But yeah, I think. You still see John Owen big fight of him, in my opinion. What do you think about Andy Fowler's performance? Do you think that was uh, an improvement from the last few fights? Definitely, but Fowler's always had power. He's always like he's always going to have that, and he, you know, the, he's fiercely dedicated. But it's just one of them. Like was Paz really? I know he had Munguir about three fights ago, but apparently he took this on three or four days' notice. So what can you really read into that? But I think the first half of. Um, 2019 is where you're going to really find out about Anthony Fowler because he's lined up to fight Scott Fitzgerald, yes. his former GB teammate, and then the winner fights Ted Cheeseman. So I think by summer or the end of summer 2019, you'll really see what Anthony Fowler is all about. And 
I'm quite excited about that to be honest because I know he's I know people don't really like him on social media and he can be a bit active and you know he promotes every company in the world but <laughs> CBD yeah he loves CBD oil <laughs> but it's just one of them he, the guy is just trying his best and as I said next year we'll probably see where he's at and he'll definitely uh, he'll definitely be a good fight that's for sure can't wait for the Cheeseman fight if that comes off yeah, man, the Cheeseman fight would be something that I think it'd be like a fight in a phone booth. It, it, it literally would be like, they just, just go toe-to-toe. You could just see that one, you know, you could see it like it being like a, a Mitchell Murray type fight, can't you, where they just yeah. no one backs off, you know, until the other one's hurt, or even let's go as far as to say it could even be like a Macklin Moore. It could be like a really great domestic fight, that if that happens. Yeah, I mean, the British titles might, um, the British titles might, you know, I've said it a couple of times on, on Twitter and stuff, keep your world titles, and I'm a big, you know, the British belt's the one for me, But and I think that would just be a great fight for that belt, you know, next year. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think so as well. It's, it's something that I, I want to see Anthony Fowler work towards, because you, you said it earlier, he gets a bit of shit on social media. He gets a few trolls on there. I see it all the time, and, you know, he always rises up to it as well. And, you know, sometimes he's just kind of like, you can tell he takes some of the stuff to, too much to heart, but... He just wants to make a make some out of it all, and I can understand that. I yeah. you know, genuinely understand that as, as 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 someone who you know, as yourself and myself, are trying to put this where we're going with this podcast and with the whole eat, sleep, boxing, repeat stuff. You know, we're trying to make something of it. So you kind of got to put yourself out there enough for people to know who you are and what you're doing, and you know what's coming next. And, and that's what Anthony Fowler does. And I've never disliked the guy, regardless of what other people think. I've never disliked him. I've wanted to. I've always watched him with a keen eye to think. You know, where's this guy going to go? Is he? looks like he could go you know to the next level you've got to keep improving and improving and for me he is improving and the, the level of opposition will be stepped up when he fights Scott Fitzgerald who had a great win earlier this year so you know if he can beat Scott Fitzgerald then you start to really think actually this guy is potentially going to be the real deal and if that Cheeseman fight comes off oh man honestly like that would be an absolute cracking fight and a, like I said Mitchell Murray or a Macklin Moore style kind of fight that would be for me yeah definitely and I think uh, I'm going to say something here but I'm sort of doubting myself in my own mind, but I think Anthony Fowler stopped Scott Fitzgerald in the amateurs. And mm, interesting. I think he did, but I've just thrown that out there. And if that's shit, then someone can just tell me <laughs> that I'm talking shit. But I'm 99% sure it's true. So, you know, that that obviously, you know, lines up good for the fight. We should be able to see an exciting fight there. Yeah, and Scott Fitzgerald's obviously improved himself. And as you say, the pros and the amateurs is a different game. So, yeah, look forward to that and look forward to going forward with um, Anthony Fowler. So, in general then, the card wasn't great, and we were slagging the card off before the card happened. We slagged it off on the preview episode on Thursday, and he didn't... The fact that the Josh Kelly-David Evanincian fight was called off at very late notice really put a massive dampener on it, and I I didn't even know until I seen you, funnily enough, I seen you tweet it out, and I was like, oh my God, this is going to be an absolute piss-poor card. He look. He didn't look great on the scales though, and I thought that when I when I first seen him, and you know whether that's illness or he's just absolutely crashed the weight. You know, I don't think we'll really we'll really find that out. But I know uh, Avanesian's managers and trainers weren't happy on no, no. social media, and they were calling you know their team shit houses, and yep. we don't really know what's going on in the background. But it's a shame, really, because you know it would have been a competitive fight as we talked about last week. You'd see where Josh Kelly's at and. Apparently, it's going to be his first fight of 2019. So, you know, maybe we're just delaying the inevitable a bit there. But it'll be uh, it'll be interesting to see because there's obviously that little bit of needle now 
Yeah, definitely a bit of needle between him. It makes it for a more interesting fight early in 2019 when that gets rearranged. But let's move on then. Let's go over and talk to uh, talk about the Lomachenko fight and Pedraza fight. And I'll tell you what, it actually, it, it, it wasn't as, um, it wasn't entirely what I expected. I expected possibly a stoppage in this fight. And yeah, obviously we've seen a, a bit of a beating from Lomachenko on Pedraza, but I tell you what, man, that Pedraza is one tough son of a bitch. Yeah, I mean, he's Puerto Rican, isn't he? And they don't, they don't, uh, that's sort of all they brought up over there and how they definitely how they box. So I sort of thought that would be, um, it could either be a late stoppage, as you said, or he could, he could see it out. But I mean, I've seen a few people saying that, you know, it weren't the best Lomachenko performance, but if you're picking holes in, in Lomachenko, then you're fucking, you're trying your hardest, aren't you, really? Because <laughs> he's, he's as close to perfect as it gets, but, it was one of them where Pedraza's heart really, really showed in the fight and Lomachenko sort of went through the gears and he's had that bad injury, you know, he's had surgery and rehabilitation and stuff, so I can't, you can't say with any sort of confidence that he was 100% in there, but, you know, the Lomachenko steam train just, just keeps going and gathering pace. That 11th round, uh, I put a little clip out on social media of that 11th round from uh, from a different angle, and I tell you what, man, Pedraza had some bloody bollocks to you know to stand there yeah. and, and and try and trade. Well, Lomachenko just had so much variety in his punches; it was unreal. Like the way he quickly switched from body to head and and then back down, and then it was just it was it, quite mesmerising to be honest with you. Like I was just I was like, man, this this guy is just uh, you know he is the real deal. He is next level. This guy deserves a mantelpiece of, of pound for pound number one and now he's obviously got two belts to his name in the lightweight division and is it is it time for him to move up now? I think he might look to sort of consolidate it this way for a while and sort of, I think he might sort of wait around to see what happens with Garcia and, and Spence because at the end of the day that the fight with Garcia is the big one that we all want to see at this moment in time so I think you might see a couple of, uh, of Ruth, I say the word, uh, apprehensively but a few routine defences <laughs> for uh, Lomachenko maybe you know as, as we said last week the crawler thing and stuff so you know let's just see how it goes but I think he will definitely wait around for a little bit just to see if we can make that Mikey Garcia fight uh, you know what I'll tell you, I'll tell you what Jordi this, 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 this the future for Lomachenko is just it's just I can't I can't wait to see these big fights. I'm honestly like it, it makes me excited to think about the fact that you could see the Mikey Garcia Lamachenko fight, or you know even further on. It just depends on how far he wants to move up. I mean, who would have expected Manny Pacquiao to move up from like flyweight all the way up to welterweight? You know what I mean? That's like eight divisions, yeah. eight weights. If if I mean obviously there's accusations of him uh, being on a bit of juice. <laughs> But regardless of that, the guy's moved up uh, and become an eight-weight world champion. And it just shows how people can do it. And I think it takes a special kind of fighter to do that. And, and we know Lomachenko's a special kind of fighter. And it wouldn't surprise me if you know if he keeps moving up and moving up to sort of like... I think welterweight for me would probably be the limit. I can't see him going anywhere past welterweight. But you know, this guy could be like a four or five-weight world champion. I think quite easily. But I think the only way possibly gets beat as if as if he does, you know, move up too too high really. I think you're right probably well to it where um Mikey Garcia's gone's probably the limit, but even that's ridiculous. But yeah, I think the only way he gets beat is if someone's just far too big for him. I mean, people are saying on Twitter that it wasn't his best performance. He wasn't at his scintillating best as uh, quote unquote. He's a hard one, isn't he? 
I know, yeah, I forgot to say, man, give the guy a break. He's, if that if that's not him at his scintillating best, you know, you, you don't want to be on the other opposite side of the ring for when he is at his best, do you? Do you know what I mean? Fucking fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> no, you really don't. I mean, the, the guy is, is is next level, and I'm, I'm calling everybody next level at the moment. You know, it's because I've been watching too much uh, Power on Netflix, uh, just using all the lingo from that. He's, he, he is, though. He's, he's just <laughs> he's, he's a level above all the other fighters, you know, in the division. You can't sort of see anybody else challenging him for, for that mantelpiece of pound for pound number one at the moment if he keeps doing what he's doing and I honestly feel for Crawler because Crawler is such a good guy and such a, got a great story behind him of what happened to him and the way he come back from it all he, man I hate to say it but I don't think he's got a fucking cat in hell's chance against Lamajenko. No but you know, we, we waxed a little hull last, uh, last week about it but who does stand a chance at this, at this point Crawler's got as much chance as anybody so I'd rather see a local Brick get it than some you know unknown or someone from a different place so you know good luck to crawler but as you say it's pretty much an impossible task oh totally agree uh, let's move on then shock upset on that card isaac dogbay loses to emmanuel mm. navarrete man i wasn't expecting that one no i mean navarrete's record suggests he was a bit heavy-handed but uh, dogby's come out and sort of said he underestimated him and he didn't train which is sometimes an excuse we hear quite a lot but you know, what can, you can't do anything but read into it. So, uh, yeah, it's a bit of a setback for Dogby and one that I didn't really want to happen because I love his story and was hoping, you know, he was going to continue to kick on. But sometimes them little setbacks can just pay for bigger comebacks and I think he hopefully that he can get another shot at Navarrete. But, yeah, Navarrete was just a bit a bit too tall, but too big, really. Yeah. He just, he just, he just posed a, you know, just, just a danger from the... From the first goal, and I think Dogby seen that, and it was just sort of he just didn't have it in him to work out the puzzle. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think you're right in terms of uh, the underestimation, and uh, I'd, I'd agree with the statement that he made about that. He he kind of felt like uh, he, he wasn't in the same sort of headspace as he was for his last couple of fights, especially when he beat Magdaleno. You know, the the, yeah. the the headspace he was in for that fight was the headspace you kind of want to see him in in every fight because that will what that's for me is what will take him to the upper echelons of that division and 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 to be potentially a you know unified champion that's something really you wanted to aim for but this setback as you just said there could be it could really help him in terms of it could really make him reassess everything he's got i mean the story behind him you know it's, it's, it's unreal like everybody knows his story and if you don't go and check it out go and check out dog Bay's story because it's uh it's, it's, it's brilliant little story it's a brilliant underdog story and you know, I don't, I, I don't want nothing but the best for this guy, and I hope he comes back and maybe fights Navarrete again and, and retains the title. But if not, you know, you want to see him in with the the big guns of that division again straight away for me. Yeah, he's got twenty four, and you know, he's got he's got a long career ahead of him, even though he's twenty one fights in now. But you know, there's, there's there's more chapters to come, I'm sure. Also, then we're talking about Tiafimo Lopez and Mason Menard, and I tell you what, I said last week, I said he's got if he makes a statement against Menard, then he, you know he's another guy who's going to potentially go to that level. And I tell you what, he made a statement and half, didn't he? Yeah, and, and we sort of said that big knockout that went a bit viral. These in the in the age of social media now, if you can get a video to like to go viral in any walk of life, then then you're onto something good. But sort of. People who've got no interest in boxing will have seen that knockout, and it just sort of raises his profile, you know, some like stratospheres from where it was this time last week. So it's just one of them, and he's just hit the lottery really with an absolute 
wonder shot and it's going to kick him on in his career. But how big is that? Does the fight with him and Devin Haney potentially be in a couple of years now? You know, two young like superstars coming through, and you know, we could be sitting here in three, four years looking at that fight, just you know, thinking this is an absolute super fight. I think he's got. I think he's got all the potential to do it. I just you want to see him in against someone who's going to give him a, a, another challenge now. And obviously, Menard for me was was going to be that man this week. And he obviously, he's just blew him away. And it's like you said about the the viral clips of him knocking people out. It's just going to keep happening, and there's going to be more hype building around him, just like the is with Devin Haney. And like you said there about a fight between the two of them, you know, definitely a fight that I, I'd like to see in the future for the pair of them. But. I think Haney would probably say he's a bit further on in his career and at a different stage of his career, but I think eventually they're going to have to be on a collision course because there's going to be no one else for them to fight, especially if they both keep stopping their opponents and you know making big, you know making big waves in the division. I think they're going to end up being on a collision course for the future. But yeah, hey, great fight, great win for him. He's looking very much like a potential superstar for the future. Definitely, and it's good to see this new generation. Just we see it in Britain and. Now, this is on a sort of on a, on a world scale, so yeah, just good to see that the future of the uh, the lightweight division and whether they go up or down is is in safe hands. Well, I, I haven't got any more uh, from from the weekend in terms of fights that I wanted to go through. Is there any ones that I've missed off that you picked out that you wanted to talk about? No, I mean it was pretty for like for what we get these days. It was a quiet weekend, wasn't it? Apart from yeah. Sort of seeing Lomachenko in action, and I think in in the UK it's a bit of a forgettable weekend and. Let's just see how things unfold with Khan and Brook. But yeah, we you know we're rolling into a big fight week now with uh, Field and Canelo, and then obviously next week it's the uh, two pay per views on the same night. So yeah, man. Yeah, I think gonna, we're going to be very busy over the next couple of weeks. But yeah, this is just probably a weekend to forget, really. Well, let's let's just go and talk about a bit of news that that's obviously public knowledge. It's out on social media, but I wanted to sort of give my opinion on it really and, and, and what I think. And the first one was the announcement that the WBC have sanctioned a rematch between. I thought you were going to go into Brexit then. No, man, fuck Brexit. No, <laughs> telling you, man, fuck that shit. I, I, it's a lot of bollocks. That. That's still bloody going on. It's uh, bloody hard. Oh, no, I was trying to rack my brains about the story that you were thinking of. I was thinking, is he is he going to start talking about Brexit here? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> you'll, do, you'll just see me. You'll see me in the car, like just like Chizora was last week. Just start uh, antagonising Brexiters. I'm telling you, that's that'll be me this week. Oh no, I was on about <laughs> WBC and uh, sanctioning the Tyson Fury Wilder rematch. Obviously, the, 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 you know the WBC have voted that they would like to see the rematch, so it means it's been sanctioned. But that doesn't actually necessarily mean it has to happen. Yes, I mean they've been very careful in the words, haven't they? You know, yeah. you usually see WBC have ordered. If they say ordered, it means, you know, they're pushing in it on. But sanction just means that, basically doesn't mean anything. just means that, you know, they can't fight again. But, you know, there's plenty to go around. And just another ridiculous thing that I've seen today, Frank Warren saying that the rematch might be April uh, 30th, yes. the same day Eddie's got booked for Joshua. And, like, it's just, what a gobshite. What the fuck's he doing? I've said to you before, you know, there's part of boxing that I hate, and it's that little dynamic between Hearn and Warden about you know they, apparently they've never met each other but they just do little petty school kid things just to keep getting on each other's nerves but as fans there's so many dates there's so many venues there's so many fucking platforms we could have all this boxing completely separate and just enjoy it for what it is but because these two have got massive egos they've got to keep putting things on the same date and stuff like that it's just 
just pathetic, really. Well, everything's pe- everything's petty as fuck because the thing was the Wamp- uh, what Frampton. I'm saying Wampton then. Uh, Frampton Warrington <laughs> card was the one that was announced first for the 22nd, and it was her who's come out and announced the White Chisora two fight for the 22nd. So he's obviously trying to trump. Warren yeah. in that sense and then obviously there was the Joshua stuff with Povetkin and them announcing about Tyson Fury's fight and trying to piss on the parade that way and then now we get this this interview coming out talking about Warren saying oh well, we're looking at a date for the April the 13th you, everybody fucking knows that date is in reserve for Joshua and we've been no, we've known that for a few months and yeah. and it's very much looking like it's going to be the winner of Dillian White and Derek Chisora and that happens uh, in, in a week or so's time and it's just just, yeah, it's, it's petty as fuck. Honestly, it's ridiculous. I, I get to the point where I'm just like, look, the only people that are losing out here are the fans, the people that are paid for yeah. these shows, the people that, you know, they're shooting themselves in the foot a little bit, to be honest with you, just for, you know, a bit of bragging rights between the, between the two of them. Because the thing what's going to happen is on the 22nd of December, you're going to get two shows that are on pay-per-view and you know for a fact that... One of them's going to be a big loser on the night. And at the moment, the way the cards are, it's going to be Eddie Hearn on this occasion, I think, because the, that card isn't got a great deal of depth to it and a great deal of... For me, there's not not many good fights on the card. I mean, there is three or four, but, I mean, compare it to the Frampton Warrington card and you've got about five or six great fights on the card. Do you know what I mean? Everyone's yeah. gonna, everyone's gonna pay for. I've seen stuff on Facebook saying, right. Well, I'm gonna. This is from other people, by the way. This is people saying, right. Well, I'm gonna order the BT Sport pay per view, Frampton versus Warrington, but then I'm gonna stream White and Chisora at the same time. What everyone should do is stream the pair of them, so they both lose a load of money and it doesn't fucking happen again. Well, <laughs> you know, it's just it's it's so stupid. Like, and it, you know, Eddie's always. I, I had to go with Frank Warden then, but Eddie's always saying. Um, he doesn't care about Frank Warren and he's the best promoter and, you know, these fellas can't touch him. But then, if you don't care about him, then, you know, let your actions show that you don't care about him and just, you know, just run match room as a separate entity and don't get involved. But if this keeps going on, as you say, the only people that lose is us and the only people that gain is them two and their ego, really. Well, you say that, I mean... Uh... I don't know because they kind of like running each other out of business the way they're going on at the moment. It's like it's getting a bit, bit competitive, really competitive recently. Like especially now, these dates are starting to coincide with each other. It's it is becoming a bit beyond the joke, to be honest with you. I don't, I don't prefer it to be that way. I'd be happy for a Warren show to be on one week and a Hearn show to be on the next week. Do you know what I mean? We can deal with that as fans. That that's kind of like it's it's boxing. Dream? Yeah, exactly. Boxing heaven. It's boxing heaven for us as fans because. Yeah. You could think, oh, you're going to get Frampton Warrington one week and then White Chisora the next week. As, as businessmen, you're more likely to, to make more money off either week. Do you know what I mean? Uh, you, yeah. you, you expect, what you're doing is you're making, you're forcing people to pick between the two pay-per-views on the night and, and someone's going to end up a, a bit of a big loser. Well, but they both will because a lot of people are going to stream this, let's be honest. You're going to be sat there. Too, they do. They've got, well, they're going to. Come on, man. I mean, I'm not yeah. being funny, but te- nine out of ten people are going to bloody stream this because you're going to you're gonna know for a fact you're going to have one on the telly and one on the phone <laughs> or one on a tablet or something. Yeah. You're going to have it side by side because you're not going to want to miss out. But saying that, if it's a Frank Warren show, Frampton versus Warrington won't be on till about one o'clock in the morning, so White and Jizora will yeah. have finished by then anyway. Yeah, exactly. But <laughs> yeah, it's just the uh, one of them. It's starting to starting to just do me head in a little bit. But yeah, let's hope for a big week with uh, Canelo Field, and you know, let's get the uh, let's roll into that. 
Yeah, man, so much good stuff coming on uh, over the next week, uh, over the next two weeks, just before Christmas. So, just to let you know what we've got coming up, we've got Legendary Nights, Guy versus Ward coming up this week. Apologies, we couldn't get it out for you on Friday as normal, but we will get it out for you this week. We've got Fielding versus Canelo. Can't wait to talk about that fight. Interesting debate, interesting points to talk about. And then, obviously, the following week, we've got you've got White Chisora and the undercard. You've got Frampton versus Warrington and the undercard. And in the midst of all that, we've got to do a Christmas special. There's a New Year's review of the year to come up. There's absolutely loads of stuff. So for everybody that listens to it and subscribes to the podcast, uh, even if you don't subscribe but you'd still listen to us, what you're doing, get subscribing. <laughs> but um, you want to you want to get <laughs> onto it because there's a lot of content coming and. We like doing the shorter, sharper episode, more to the point episodes. And from the feedback I've got from the listeners, it's been a lot better for them to, to you know to digest into one go as opposed to doing one and a half to two hours at a time and kind of talking everybody's you know talking a glass eye to sleep. Basically, that's not what I want to do. Yeah, exactly. So uh, we're sort of finding our finding our you know way of doing this now. So uh, yeah, exciting times, good way to end the year, and you know, busy few weeks. That's what we want absolutely a busy few weeks so guys then this is it it's the end of the reaction show for this week so if you want to follow us or subscribe to us you can find us at btr boxing pod you can find us on facebook beyond the ropes boxing podcast as always podbean stitcher itunes player fm spotify everywhere on all good available podcasting apps leave us a review share leave us a comment Ask us any questions, give us your thoughts, any little betting tips you want to throw our way, find them, and we'll get you some more out this week for the fielding (laughs) and Canelo preview. But other than that, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time, fight fans.